Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoyed this message from Daniel Hayden. Then last week we talked about Genesis. We looked at in particular the story of Cain and Abel. Everyone say Cain and Abel. And I didn't have time to go too deep into it because it was like a wild, spontaneous worship session last Sunday. And uh, it went pretty much right through to the, I had about three minutes left on the clock when I got up and started to get into the scriptures and we went a little bit over time. Um, but who likes it when, when we allow God to move and to do different things from week to week? And so sometimes it'll be extended worship and there'll be the prophetic release and then sometimes we'll go deep into the, into the word of God. Sometimes it might be a testimony or uh, sometimes it might be just teaching, 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 Scripture, 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 but we want it all. And so over a year, we're going to have a balance. And that's, that's, that's the idea. You won't have a balance of everything in one service on a Sunday, but over a year across the different groups, the small groups, the outreaches, prophetic conferences, different things that we do, there'll be a balance over a year. Does that make sense? So some people say, oh, I wish there was more word on Sunday. Or some people say, I wish there was more worship. We get, I wish there was more uh, in, in every area. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to uh, be involved in everything across 12 months, okay? Because that's where you get the balance. Across the 12 months, get involved in different things during the week. And that's where you'll really grow as a disciple of Jesus. Amen? So Genesis 4, 1 to 8 asked, you guys to do a little bit of homework on that, study it out. And, uh, but the thing that I really wanted to point out was the heart. Um, the difference between the offering of Cain and Abel was not the fact that uh, Abel bought a lamb and Cain bought fruit. There's, some people have the idea that it was what they brought that was important, but that's not the case. It was the heart. The Bible says that Abel's offering was an offering of faith. And Cain's offering was not an offering of faith. It was more out of obligation. So I'm talking about this subject because we will be doing a miracle offering next week. I will be teaching on finances today. We're going to be talking about fasting next week. This is such an important subject. We teach on this once a year. We go after it hard and, uh, and comprehensively. And we're going to go deep into the scriptures. And it's such an important topic. Jesus taught on finances a lot. And there's so many messed up ideas out there. And did you know that there is a devil at work that's trying to bind the minds of believers and non-believers on the subject of finances? Do you know that? There's a spirit called mammon. It's not the Holy Spirit, it's a demonic spirit that tries to twist people on the area of finances. Finances in itself are not evil, really it's a tool for God. But the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Not money itself, the love of money. And money in the wrong hands, the Bible says, is unrighteous mammon. Jesus described it as unrighteous mammon. Have you ever read that? In the Gospels, you ever wonder what that means? Unrighteous mammon. Money in the wrong hands is, money in the hands of the unrighteous is under 
the, the power of a demonic spirit called mammon. We're going to touch on that a little bit more as we go into the scriptures, all right? But I want to break the spirit of mammon off our minds with the sword of the spirit. That's what we're going to do today, amen? So then we can be in faith, and then we can be ready to sow in faith without being bound by a spirit of mammon. So let's get into, um, I talked about Genesis, Abel, it was a matter of the heart, it was a matter of faith. That's why God loved the offering of Abel. I want to talk about Jeremiah 17.9. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to it. Jeremiah 17.9. Everyone say, it's a matter of the heart. Now, sometimes when I talk to people, when I'm discipling people, uh, Christians, and sometimes non-Christians, often a rebuttal or a response to the Word of God is, oh, no, I don't need to worry about that. God knows my heart. Okay, so they think that they don't need to be obedient to the words of God because God knows their heart. Has anyone ever said that or heard that? I've heard it a lot over the last 16 years. Be careful saying that. God does know your heart. That's the thing. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 9. I want to show you something. This is interesting. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. God knows my heart. But do you know your heart? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, predominantly, this is talking about an unregenerated heart. Okay? Not a born-again heart. However, a Christian can become influenced by the world, by the spirit of Mammon, by the spirit of Absalom, by the spirit of Jezebel. There's a demonic force that is against Christians and against the church 24-7. So we need to be careful that we're not going by our feelings and we think, oh, well, God knows my heart, so I'll just follow my heart because the heart can be desperately wicked and deceitful. We need to make sure we're following the Holy Spirit. We follow a regenerated heart, yes. But we follow a mind that is renewed. Not renewed by the world, not renewed by the spirit of mammon, not renewed by human wisdom, but renewed by the Word of God. And then we can be confident that we're following our hearts correctly and we're not in deception. Are you with me on that? Thanks, Jess. Glory to God. Let's now go to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. I wonder whether Cain was deceived. Like he ended up killing his brother, but murder just doesn't happen overnight. I wonder whether there was a, a buildup of deception and whether he would say things like, oh, well, I don't need to do that. God knows my heart. And then jealousy entered. Hatred towards his brother entered. Didn't take correction from God, but continued to pursue down this path of deception. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. That's humanistic wisdom. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Who's the one that brings destruction? John 10, 10. Jesus comes to bring life 
and life more abundantly, but the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God is good. The devil's bad. (laughs) Okay? He's the one that destroys, and he's trying to lead us down a path of destruction. Did you know why it is the path that leads to destruction, the Bible says? And many are on it. And narrow is the path that leads to life. Narrow and hard is the way that leads to life, and few there be find it. That's a scary scripture in some ways. I guarantee you there are so many people on the wide path saying, God knows my heart. Thinking that their way, their humanistic way, is the way to God. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ, through His way, through the Word of God. No compromise, all the way for Him. Someone say, let's go, Jesus. Let's jump into James chapter 2, verse 18. I love the Word of God. It's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So if you want to know the state of your heart, the health of your heart, let the Word convict. Amen? Let the Word convict. James 2.18. Now someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say... How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I'll show you my heart by my good deeds. I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Are you with me? How do you know if someone's saved? God knows my heart, He does. But we know if someone is a follower of Jesus by their deeds, by their fruit. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. Why is that important? Because there are so many people deceived. God knows my heart. And we have to speak the truth and not be afraid to speak the truth. Because otherwise you're in sin as well. Oh, but I didn't want to offend them. Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? Come on. Glory to God, the truth that sets us free. Not always popular, but it's amazing. Amen? Let's jump now into Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is a a message on finance, but I haven't mentioned it once. Why? Because the most important aspect, and I'm setting this up, because the most important aspect is the heart. If you're new to this place, when we go into the finance part and next week into the miracle offering, you don't need to worry about it. If, you're, if you don't understand this yet, there's no compulsion, okay? This is for disciples. This is for wholehearted believers, this subject. But you're going to be able to glean from it, okay? You're going to be able to learn from it. Last year, we taught on finances, and after the message, 20 people got born again. Because finances are so close to us, and often it's an indicator of where we're at in our hearts towards God. So God uses that to show us where our heart's at, and it's like, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. I think I've been living for God, but I'm not. Not according to His way, maybe according to my way. Do you know, if you live according to God, your way, 
you've created an idol. You might call that idol Jesus, but that doesn't mean it's the Jesus of the Bible. Uh-oh. I'm going to say that one more time. You might say you follow God, and you might even call that God Jesus. But if it's not the way of the Scriptures, it's a different Jesus. It's a Jesus you've formed in your own mind to suit your lifestyle. And that's dangerous, and that's deceptive, and that's why church is so important, because there are so many seducing spirits at work trying to get us off the narrow path that leads to life and on the wide path that leads to destruction. Come on, God. Come on, Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Everyone say, the Bible's safety. Don't go by my opinions or my ways. Go by the Scriptures. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And now we're going to transition this onto the subject of finance, but still stay in the realm of the heart. Are you ready? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Why don't we do that? Because we're a people of faith. We believe in eternity. We believe we're just passing through in this life. Do you really believe that? People that believe that don't lay up for themselves treasures on earth. Now, of course, when we look at scriptures in a holistic sense from Genesis to Revelation, of course, we want to be wise stewards of finance. We want to pass on an inheritance to our children. All of those things are good. God's not talking about that. He's talking about people that are heaping up for themselves, building their own kingdoms under the spirit of mammon. Yeah? Instead of building the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's a good word right there. Hey, buddy. Woo! Did you know how you live right now as a believer will determine how you live in eternity? Salvation is a free gift. And some people, the Bible says, get in by the skin of their teeth. I had a cousin who was a hell's angel. Left a trail of destruction in this life. But on his deathbed, right on the last breath, we were able to get the gospel into his heart. And he was born again. And that's great that he's in heaven. However, I want to tell you, that's, that's all good if you scrape in. But many don't. But I want to tell you, if you understand this, how you live your life today, how you use your finances today, how you spend your time today. When you're doing it, when you're advancing the kingdom of God, when you're seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, what you do now will determine how you live in eternity. And people that are of faith, that know God, that love God, live like that. You can see that they believe it. You can see that they're in faith by their fruit, by what they do and by their works. Are you with me? I'm laying down scripture because... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? This is a faith thing. 
Renew our mind, God. Let us live out this transformed life. Help us. So Jesus is talking about finances, talking about the heart, and encouraging us in this life to live for Him. Don't come under the power of the spirit of mammon, but rather come under the power of the Holy Spirit and live for Him so that you can enjoy eternity in an amazing way. We're going to have treasures in heaven. Those people that have lived their lives for God now, you're storing up treasures in heaven. That's great encouragement, isn't it, from our Heavenly Father? Now check this out. Talks about finances, tries to bring encouragement, brings correction. And now he says this, verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's just sit on that one for a minute. Just look at that. Just read that. If you've got your Bibles, just look over that for a minute. Let the Holy Spirit just speak to you about that. God knows my heart. The heart can be deceptive. Another way to say that maybe is where your passion is, there your treasure is also. What's first in our life? It's one thing to quote scripture, it's another thing to live it out. This is why 20 people got born again last year on this topic. Because Jesus draws a line in the sand. And he says, you're either with me or against me. If your heart really is with me, you'll know by what you've been doing. Now, maybe some people have been ignorant, and that's why this teaching is so important. They've been genuinely ignorant. It's not wicked. It's just they haven't known. That's why discipleship's important. Amen? That's why teaching on this subject is so important. Jesus spent so much time on this subject because it's so close to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart, and he wants your heart. He doesn't care about your money. If he doesn't have your heart, then the money's pointless. That's why he rejected the offering of Cain. All right, let's go to, we're going to go, everyone say, let's go deeper. Everyone say, theology. Everyone say scripture. scripture. Everyone say, I love scripture. I love God, renew my mind. Put your, just put your hand on your mind right now or on your, on your head. Say, God, help me to get this. Help me to know your word. I reject the spirit of mammon. I reject every other foul devil of the enemy. I don't want to be deceived. I want to live for Jesus. Amen. It's not that complicated. Jesus picked fishermen and unlearned men. It's not that complicated. It's a matter of the heart. Amen. Let's have a look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. So we're jumping into the subject now of the tithe. Tithe and offering. By the way, if you didn't know already, the word tithe literally means 10%. That's what it means. And the principle of the tithe should be um, 
and not only 10%, but the first 10% of your increase goes to God through your local church. And the heart is, I give my offering of the tithe the first and the best because you're first and you're the best. So when I budget, my excitement is not in paying the gas bill or the electricity. My excitement is saying, Jesus, before I even look at anything else on this spreadsheet, you're first. And this is one of the ways that I show my love and express my love towards you because I really do seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. I believe you. I love you. I love your church. I want to see the kingdom advance. And I'm going to store up treasures in heaven. You know, the cool thing about the principle of the tithe is it's the same sacrifice for everybody. So we've got people that are in different financial positions. But it's, it's, that's the wisdom of God. It's, different, it's the same sacrifice for everybody. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe someone in here might earn $18,000 a year. For them, it's a sacrifice of $1,800. Someone else might earn $180,000 a year. For them, it's a sacrifice of $18,000. It's the same sacrifice for everybody. That's the wisdom of heaven. Isn't that cool? Sometimes when someone, especially in today's age, there's a lot of interesting chatter about tithes and offerings amongst Christendom. And we hear the word tithe and we straight away switch off and go, that's just part of the law. I don't do that, it's part of the law. I'm in the New Testament now. And I, I want to encourage you, we've got podcasts on this, teaching on this, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I want, just want to correct that thought really quickly. The tithe is not, wasn't started with Moses. He ratified it, endorsed it, brought it through the Old Testament law, but it didn't start with him. Hundreds of years before was a man named Abraham. And he bought his tithe of his increase after he had the victory to a man named Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a very interesting um, person in the Old Testament. It talks about the order of Melchizedek in Psalms 110. In Hebrews, it talks about the order of Melchizedek. So the tithe is actually a part of the order of Melchizedek, not the law of Moses, although it did go through the law of Moses. Are you with me? What is the order of Melchizedek? Well, his name is King of Righteousness. That's what his name means. He had no genealogy, no beginning, no end. That sounds like someone else I know. Jesus. And now when we give the tithe, it's to the one who lives, it says in Hebrews through his established church because he's the head of the church. And when we give the offering of the tithe, when Abraham gave to Melchizedek, he wasn't giving to Melchizedek necessarily. That wasn't his prime heart was to give to Melchizedek. It was through the vessel of Melchizedek, through the vessel of the Levite priests in the Old Testament, but ultimately it's to God. Are you with me? So with that in mind, let's quickly have a look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And it's quite interesting that, particularly with all the chatter 
amongst the doctrine of this subject. Verse 6 comes out real strong and says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. (laughs) These principles that we're about to read are still relevant today because God is a God that does not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. God's not afraid to bring correction to try and steer the church back on track. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall return? God, you know my heart. I added that bit, by the way. In what way shall we return? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? And I'm just, I'm just thinking of these other scriptures we've just been talking about. Will a man rob God? What do you mean? Where your treasure is there, your heart is also. Come back to me, return to me. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. This subject's been devastating for the nation of Israel in quite a few places throughout Scripture. Where they've turned away from tithes and offerings, the spiritual climate, the church hasn't been able to function the way God designed it. And priests would go back to to the, the workplace and to farming when they shouldn't have been doing that. And then the whole spiritual climate would just fall to pieces. And so that's why God's so passionate about this. This is really cool, these verses, because there's a mixture of things going on. There's correction. There's a steering back. But then there's these amazing promises in there at the same time as well. If we'll heed correction and come back and get our hearts right again, have a look at what he says here. This is really, really, really powerful. And God is a God that does not change. So these promises that we're about to read are still relevant for us today. The promises uh, that we're about to read are for you. For us as a nation, I really believe that. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Who's the one that curses? Who's the devourer? The devil, the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So when we're not with God, we're actually coming under a power of mammon, a spirit. A demon that wants to destroy your life. Are you with me? That's why God is so passionate about steering you back on track so that you can walk in His blessings and His promises. Verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. This is what I want you to get. We're a revival church. We're so hungry to see God move powerfully. Look at this promise. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. He's strong. He's 
forthright, he's black and white in what he's saying, there's no confusion, but he's also so loving. And he's like a good dad. Like with our kids, we bring correction and discipline, but we also inspire our kids to do right with reward. And this is what our Father in heaven does. If you follow my ways in this, not only will I rebuke the devil for your sake, but I'll open up the windows of heaven and bless you in such a way that you won't even be able to contain it. And I want to tell you, that's not just talking about more money. That opened heaven to me. And I believe I can back this up scripturally. He's talking about true riches. Not more money necessarily, although that's a part of it, so you can be blessed to be a blessing. Prosperity with a purpose. But it's more than that. It's an open heaven like Cornelius experienced. Angelic visitations, divine appointments. Why? Because his prayers and his generosity went up as a memorial before God, caught the attention of heaven, and God moved. That's an open heaven. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentile people for the first time, revival amongst the Gentiles. And we can trace that back to a heart from a man named Cornelius. God knew his heart by what he did. His prayers, his fasting. We're talking about fasting next week. All of these components. His generosity went up as a memorial, caught the attention of God, and revival broke out. Come on, man. This is so fun. Everyone say, let's go, Jesus. Let's just give him some praise for a minute while it's happening. Glory to God. I've got more cool stuff I want to share with you, but I just felt the unction of the Holy Spirit say, I want you to stop it there. And I'm going to bring in some more stuff next week. We're going to tag team. We're going to talk on fasting. I'm going to bring in some more really important scriptures on this subject. And then we're going to do the miracle offering. So I want to stretch it out a little bit more. I want you to be praying this week about what we've spoken about. We're going to put it up on the podcast so you can meditate on it. Get it in your heart. Renew your mind. Ask questions if you need to. And then next week when we come into this miracle offering, by the way, the miracle offering practically is really important. We've been talking about all the spiritual side of it, but practically, there's such a big global vision. That we're going to need provision. And we know that God brings a provision when you have his vision. But we haven't got a date of when we're launching towards this awakening base, this Australia base. But I've got a feeling it'll be towards the end of the year, which gives us some time to prep. We want to prep this venue. Or maybe, just maybe, I'm not sure yet, we're still praying about this, but maybe there might be a completely new venue. Who knows? Because God can do more than what we can ask for or think. And so that's what, practically what we're sowing into. And there's a lot of things associated with getting a base ready for a launch like this, the global launch, okay? So be thinking about that, praying into that. And then as I said, if you're new to this, don't feel obligated or pressured at all. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart, okay? But people that are already on board with this, they're already like, yep, yes and amen. Let's do it. I want you to pray about that miracle offering, that offering of faith, that generosity, that seed of generosity. Amen? Because God increases us 
And a part of that increase is supposed to be seed. Some of it's bread for us to enjoy, but some of it's seed for the extension of the kingdom. Everything is God's at the end of the day. Amen? Even your ability to work and to get increase is because of Him. So it's all His. And so we're saying, God, which part of this is for this and which part is for the extension? That's what I want you to pray about. And, uh, and we're going to be cheerful about it because we're a people of faith like Abel. It's not a Cain offering, it's an Abel offering. It's the first, it's the best, it's an offering of faith, it's an offering from the heart because we believe God, amen? And then next week we're going to go, I'm going to finish off this sermon, going to go into some more scripture and we're going to talk on fasting and then we're going to do that miracle offering next week. So it gives us more homework, more time. Listen to the podcast, probably released midweek this week. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.